show. In case you didn't know, Panthers owner David Tepper and his new wife spent part of yesterday with Cam Newton at Cam's Thanksgiving for Kids festivities. It's really a multi-day thing. Pretty cool to see the Panthers owner there in support of his injured quarterback. More on that with Will Brinson of CBS Sports as he joins us now. Remember to check out his Pick 6 podcast. And always keep the receipts on his predictions because we looked back and found a tweet from Will Brinson and an appearance on our show showcasing clearly that Will Brinson saw the Lamar Jackson Baltimore Ravens phenomenon three months ago almost to the day in a way that mere mortals probably did not. Will, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We're selective with old uh, tweets that we pull out. What did you think? I appreciate it, Dave. always love uh... – Love looking smart. I mean, I'll, I'll own up to the fact uh, that I, I did have the Steelers winning the division. <laughs> I had the Ravens making the playoffs. You know, I, I did – when I initially started looking at the division, I really did think that, you know, I, I was concerned that what the Ravens might do is utilize the approach that they had last year, running Lamar a ton of times, not letting him throw, um, and that it would ultimately end in him being injured. But the more you sort of watch it in the preseason, the more you sort of talk to – you know. Talk, heard things around the league is that Greg Roman's plan uh, was to really unleash Lamar Jackson as a passer. And he's done just that. I don't know that it's, you know, I mean, look, Lamar, Lamar has been awesome in his progression developing in the pocket. He's learned to be patient. He doesn't run first. Uh, he knows when to run. And Roman's been an incredible teacher. I, I think what's really kind of percolated in my brain today and, and last night is just it's amazing, and I talked about this a little bit, I think, before the season, but it's amazing the ecosystem that the Ravens have put around him. You know, they, they, they you know, moved on from Marty Morningwig and promoted Greg Roman, who's had success with Tyrod Taylor, with Colin Kaepernick, similar style quarterbacks, running guys. Uh, you know, they, they went out and signed Mark Ingram. They had Gus Edwards on the roster. They drafted Justice Hill. Those three guys, analytics show, are excellent running out of the shotgun, so that benefits them. They've invested in the offensive line. Orlando Brown, they drafted in that same draft as Lamar Jackson. Um, Mark Andrews, they got as well. Hayden Hurst. They had these tight ends, these big tight ends that they can line up in jumbo packages and make it look like they're going to run on you and then send these guys on seam routes, and Lamar just destroys you up the field. And then they had a guy like Marquise Brown this year, a speed threat. And you saw it in the, you know, the chess moves last night. Um, you know, Wade Phillips put Jalen Ramsey on Mark Andrews. Yeah. And the counter move was to – go heavy in an attack with Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson found him and the offensive line is outstanding and they run the ball well and Lamar is making great decisions and it's the best team in football right now and the Ravens look like geniuses for taking him at 32. Will Brinson is joining us. Follow him on Twitter at Will Brinson. Find his work at CBSSports.com. Check out his Pick 6 podcast as well. The Ravens have won seven in a row. They are off to their best start since that 2012 season when they ended up winning the Super Bowl. You know, Will, that some of these Lamar Jackson numbers are, are truly firsts in the history of the NFL. Uh, first QB in back-to-back games to have both four touchdown passes and 50 or more rushing yards. Uh, first QB ever to have three 99s in the same season in the QBR uh, numerology ever. Uh, and most fantasy points through 11 games in the history of that game. Uh, have you seen anything, either the Chargers in the playoffs last year when they beat Lamar and the Ravens, or even earlier this year, I mean, who was it? The Browns got the uh, Ravens once, and then there was yeah. that close game at Kansas City. Those are the only two losses. Have you seen anything that, that you know, offers a playbook on this offensive version of the Ravens? 
Well, um, I mean, no. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, we did see a, the, the, the Browns did a great job. They hung a 40-burger on Baltimore in Baltimore in week four. You know, yeah. back to back losses. And, I mean, it's, it's so hard in the, in, the context, in, in the moment of an NFL season, Dave, to really get the context of, 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 you know, of what it was like. It's hard to go back in time and go back to week four, right? Because they lit up. They put 59 on the Dolphins in week one, lit up the Cardinals in week two, then lost two straight games. Everybody's like, well, that was a cute little fad. <laughs> and, and, and now uh, they haven't lost since. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that the one thing that you sort of notice is that teams with familiarity – playing them a second time. Remember the chiefs got Lamar once last year. The Browns of course are in the division. Um, you know, we saw, uh, you know, the Bengals didn't keep it close obviously. Um, but you know, the teams that have played them multiple times appear to have better success. I don't think that what the chargers did last year, which is the, you know, by necessity, they're out of linebackers. They just went with a ton of, yeah. uh, a ton of, a ton of defensive backs out there. I don't think that will work against this year's Baltimore team. They're much more physical in the run game than they even were last year. And there's the dual threat ability. You know, they'll, they'll line up in pistol and give Lamar RPO reads or read option plays. And, you know, they can throw out of those spots and he's making good decisions. So I don't think that that defensive back heavy situation will work because we saw the Chargers took that to New England the next week, right? And they got destroyed uh, physically by, by the Patriots run attack when, when we knew Tom Brady could throw over top of them. So I, I think what you – you know, what, I think what Wade Phillips wanted to do last night was to get Aaron Donald, have Aaron Donald penetrate on the interior and then sort of bring guys late on blitzes to flush out Lamar Jackson and then hope to contain him there and, and get him off his spot and make him sort of run, make, make him want to run early and get pressured. And it just, it just didn't work. I mean, you know, Aaron Donald got dominated, and that's something that never happens. But he had one tackle. That's his whole stat line in the game last night. They have one tackle. And I think it's a different game if Aaron Donald plays well, a lower scoring game. Maybe the maybe the Rams are in it. Maybe not. I mean, it was a blowout. But yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I think you just have to win against the Ravens' offensive line. That's really you know you look at that Texans game where they won forty-one-seven. Deshaun Watson was under pressure the whole time, and Lamar Jackson was just throwing from these clean pockets. That's sort of been the underrated story of all this is that the Ravens have an, an one of the best offensive lines in football, and they can run and pass behind it. And if you can't penetrate that offensive line, Lamar Jackson's going to have time. and He's going to pick you apart. We dug out the other best quarterback rushing yardage numbers in NFL history. And you know, the list in order for now, it's Michael Vick first, Randall Cunningham, that Cam Newton guy is third, then Steve Young and Russell Wilson and Fran Tarkenton and, and on down the list. I saw Wade Phillips call Lamar Jackson, quote, this era's Michael Vick. Sean Merriman called Lamar Jackson, quote, Michael Vick 2.0. My question to you is with that comparison, I mean, they're not perfect duplicates, obviously, but Michael Vick ended his career with 133 touchdown passes and 88 interceptions, which is not at all a good ratio for a pocket passer. And right now, Lamar Jackson has 24 TD passes and only five interceptions. Michael Vick, over 15 years, never had those numbers. He had two different years with really good passing uh, ratios that way. Uh, over 15 years where, of course, he missed a couple of seasons. What do you see as good comparisons? Where do, where do those comparisons end? As, of course, you know, Lamar and comparables are the talk of the NFL right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's perfectly fair to say that Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson are comparable athletically, and I think that the, it passes the eye test. You know, Shit. a lot of times, yep. 
in 2000 and in, in, you know, whatever, 2019 in this era, we, we, we've gotten better about it. I think when it's like, Oh, look, a running quarterback, you know, like what was the, somebody said that uh, it's like, uh, it was a Dwayne, like Dwayne Haskins. He's a, it was Stephen A. Smith who said he's like Dwayne Haskins. He's a runner. It's like nah, he, he doesn't run at all. Right. Um, Teddy Bridgewater uh, too. <laughs> right, right, right. He's like, it's like Teddy Bridgewater went like five times in college. Right. Um, I, I think the thing with Vic and Lamar is when you watch them move. Every time Lamar escapes the pocket, I keep expecting him to be holding the ball in his left hand, and so that to me is like like it just conjures up the image of Vic running. But you're right when you look at Michael Vick. I mean, go back to his, you know, he was only, he was only at Virginia Tech for two years. Um, you know, what he, he completed 56% of his passes there. He attempted 343 passes and ran the ball 235 times. Hmm. And when he got to the NFL, I think one of the big differences, Dave, is that Michael Vick at age 21 gets to Atlanta and, you know, all the off-field stuff aside, and Michael Vick has always said that his biggest concern with, you know, becoming a great player was not his talent, but, Michael Vick, like, you know, the, the, the inside the head and everything you hear is that Lamar Jackson works his tail off. He grinds at that, you know, grinds at that facility in a way that Michael Vick just didn't do in Atlanta. Additionally, you know, I mentioned the ecosystem they surrounded Lamar Jackson with Michael Vick didn't have that. Uh, you know, you can, I don't want to, you know, poo poo Dan Reeves or Jim Moore or whoever else, but I, you know, I don't think that Michael Vick uh, was in an era where you could, you know, there wasn't a system designed for Michael Vick. It was like, okay, we're going to make him a passing quarterback and then we're going to let him do his own thing on his free time. It wasn't uh, an offensive system catered to his skill set. I really don't think Dave, he got that. And I don't think he got the proper tutelage into being a quarterback until he got to Philadelphia after he was in prison for two years or whatever. And, and he got to work with Andy Reid, and you could see him develop as a passer then, and and to really unlock some of the talents he had. And so I think so much about the NFL and and playing quarterback involves where you go and who you go with and, and the system that you can land in. Like, I don't think if Lamar Jackson had gone to the Bengals last year that he'd be putting, I mean, I think he'd be playing well, but I don't know that he would be doing what he's doing because, or two years ago, because he, you know, he wouldn't have the same ecosystem. So to me, the comparable with Michael Vick probably doesn't work, if only because I think Lamar Jackson's ceiling is now infinitely higher because what we've seen from him early on in his career. I'm with you on that. Fun fact, by the way, just because I followed Michael Vick as an Eagles fan, Michael Vick's quarterback's coach with the Eagles in 2010, which was to me by far his best season as an NFL quarterback, was was a guy named James Urban, who is actually Mike uh, Lamar Jackson's quarterbacks coach in Baltimore as we oh, speak? Great call. So yeah, um, great... yeah, plug that in to your award-winning work at CBSSports.com whenever you get a chance. A, a, a Dave, I'll be stealing that, and B, um, that's a great call. The but uh, yeah, I mean, he completed sixty percent of his passes twice in an NFL season. Vic did, yeah. right? Uh, once in 2010, 62.6, and then again at, at, at age thirty-five in Pittsburgh when he attempted sixty-six passes. So like. This is not, it's just not a guy who was necessarily efficient and, and worked the way he probably could have worked to become the great quarterback that we hope Lamar Jackson will be. Last thing for you, and for anybody wondering, <clears throat> I think Will's probably on the same page as I, but I just think this Lamar Jackson Baltimore Ravens story is that big. And that's why I wanted to pick Will's brain on it from several different angles. I do want to ask the obligatory Panthers question. Um, David Tepper said out loud at that media session last week that his ideal was a healthy Cam Newton leading his 
Carolina Panthers back to the Super Bowl. And I thought it was interesting that Tepper and his new wife spent part of yesterday with Cam at, at something that has become very important to Cam, one of the many things he does there in the Charlotte community, his annual Thanksgiving event. Remind us of just how stuff works in the NFL, because David Tepper, man, he might be evaluating Ron Rivera, his head coach, Marty Herney, his general manager. He has a year left on Cam's deal, but nobody's really sure how Cam and his representatives feel about playing that year, right? And nobody's sure about how the Panthers feel about wanting him to play that year. Just uh, think out loud on that, because it just feels multi-layered and complicated from David Tepper's point of view. Uh, it's insanely complicated, David. I'll say this. I think that in a perfect world, David Tepper would have loved for Cam Newton to play 2019 healthy for the Panthers to make the playoffs and for him to reward, um, you know, Ron Rivera with a contract extension, Cam with a contract extension, and, you know, the team makes a Super Bowl run. The reality is, is that David Tepper is a former hedge fund guy or current hedge fund guy, I guess. He runs Appaloosa Management. He's a multi-billionaire who paid two-plus billion dollars for the Carolina Panthers. Um, he is into asset, you know, he's into asset management and asset evaluation. And when you, and, you know, he wants, he owns the team. He probably wants to put his stamp on it. I think that should be clear. And I think that he looks at this offseason as a potential option to, to potential opportunity to, to maybe, and I don't know if this is what he'll do. I don't think anybody knows, but maybe hit the reset button across the board. And whether that involves Ron Vera, Marty Herney, the coaching, everybody in the coaching staff, Cam Newton remains to be seen, but all, but it would be an opportunity for David Tepper to say, all right. And it's rare for this, for, for NFL owners to buy into a team because you know, it doesn't happen very often that you change ownership hands and it doesn't happen very often that you can, you know, get away with, you know, cleaning house, without, you know, without just a wholesale firing, like a bloodletting, um, without offending the fan base, without looking like someone who's, who's sort of an egomaniac and lost control as an owner. And I think he does have that option just because of the timing of Rivera's contract, just because of the struggles of the team this year, just because of uh, Cam Newton's timing of his contract. So if he wanted to, he could do that. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what David Tepper is going to do. I think only David Tepper does. And I don't think David Tepper's made a decision. I think he wants to do a deep dive evaluation into all the personnel that he has from coaching to management to the you know, front office to, to the players. And he'll make a decision this off season. I'll tell you that it is probably becoming increasingly difficult to make a decision on Cam Newton, the longer and longer that Cam waits for it to make his own decision about his foot situation. I know he's been advised that you know, he can heal from the, the list Frank surgery, the, the list Frank injury that he's dealing with. Uh, Brady Quinn has said on my podcast, and he had that injury in, in, in the NFL, that his greatest regret was not getting the surgery at the time that he injured it. And it does, you know, you run the risk of future injury, long-term injury, short-term injury, et cetera, by not having the surgery. So I think that really complicates things with, with Cam. If he had the surgery, the timeline would probably be March. You don't know whether you would release him, keep him, try to trade him, whether he'd be healthy enough for the start of the league year. It all becomes very complicated based on that injury. And so I think it is a fluid situation, and I think it's one that David Tepper will sit down at the end of the season and evaluate thoroughly. And honestly, Dave, any outcome from everyone coming back to everyone going uh, wouldn't surprise me in the least. Well described. His name is Will Brinson. Just one more fun thing for you to look into. I was told 
by a friend of Matt Skura. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Former Duke star, former Duke team captain, now the center for Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Skura was carted off the field last night. The friend of a friend told me that Lamar Jackson at the front of the Ravens plane gave his front of the plane seat to Skura, who needed room to stretch out his leg. Supposedly, it's only a sprained knee. But uh, since you give us so many gifts, Will Brinson, I'm, I'm hoping I gave you at least two nuggets today that you can find useful. Hey, man, I love, I love, I love getting to do a radio hit and I get nuggets <laughs> to back. You know, look, I would say too, like I think that Lamar Jackson, whether it's you know, maybe it's because he played at Louisville for whatever reason, we don't find Louisville like to be particularly enticing. Like, right. I don't, Lamar Jackson was never lovable for some reason, but he is lovable. Like he's a good guy who. Uh, is a leader in that Ravens locker room. You see the way that he and John Harbaugh interact, and it's, they care for each other, and it's, it's and he's too good on the field not to root for. So anybody who's still trying to fade Lamar Jackson, I would uh, urge you to get off that bandwagon before it goes off the cliff. Amen. Yeah. Early happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. We're thankful for your many visits here on the David Glenn Show. Likewise, Dave. Happy Thanksgiving. You got it. Heather Dinich of ESPN live at about 45 minutes on college football. Week 14 actually begins tonight at that level. More games on Turkey Day and then Friday and then Saturday, of course. The committee rankings are due out again tonight. We know who the top three will be. We're not sure of the order among LSU, still undefeated, and Ohio State, still undefeated, and those Clemson Tigers, still undefeated. And then we'll see how they stack the one-loss resumes, many of them still hopeful that they can end up squeezing into the Final Four. Heather Dinich on college football to start our third hour. Back to your phone calls on the other side. I'll also give you my favorite Lamar Jackson quote from, uh, from last night about Lamar Jackson. It actually came from Dominique Foxworth, former NFL player who now is a multimedia guy whose work includes writing for the undefeated website. Dominique Foxworth's take as a former defensive back on this phenomenon now known as Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens. Eric in Durham wants in on the Lamar Jackson comparables. I just gave you some of the numbers. Michael Vick, Randall Cunningham, Cam Newton, Steve Young, Russell Wilson, Fran Tarkington, Steve McNair, Donovan McNabb, John Elway. They are for now the leading rushers from the quarterback position in the history of the NFL. Lamar Jackson last year set the most rushing attempts by any quarterback in any single season record, even though he only started about half the season. And he's, of course, on his way to the greatest single season rushing yardage total by a quarterback in NFL history. Assuming good health, he'll have that number um, way before the end of the regular season. And, of course, he's putting together some amazing passing as well. Michael Vick was an NFL figure for 15 years and had exactly two seasons where he had good pocket passing numbers. Two. He was much more of the dual threat athlete who leaned infinitely more on his legs and for much of his career simply didn't figure out the pocket passing part. That one special season under Andy Reid in Philly was the exception to the rule one of the reasons Michael Vick didn't go further more often in the postseason is that when he needed to make plays from the pocket, he didn't get it done consistently enough. Career numbers, 133 touchdown passes, 88 interceptions. That's not even a two-to-one ratio. That's bad by NFL standards. Lamar Jackson is at a five-to-one ratio for this season so far, and it's his first full season 
as the Ravens starter. It is the story of the season in the NFL, and it was on display last night as Baltimore went to L.A. and absolutely smacked last year's NFC champions. 45-6 to was the final on Monday Night Football. The Ravens don't have the best record in the NFL. At 9-2, they're still behind the 10-1 Patriots and the 10-1 49ers. But given how they beat the Patriots head-to-head, I don't know how you can call anybody else, given their nine-game winning streak at this point, the best-looking team in the NFL. Eric and Durham will be next by phone. We have a Tiger Woods question of the day, a rivalry week in college football question of the day. I have some thoughts on college basketball, not only Duke and Louisville and UVA and UNC, the four teams that we knew were going to be really good from the ACC. How about 6-0 Virginia Tech? The Hokies just beat Michigan State out in Hawaii. Mike Young, the new coach, is off to an unbeaten start after 17 seasons at Wofford. He has the Hokies at 6-0. They do not have a stacked roster, but Mike Young is making the most of it so far for sure. Tom Izzo apologized to Michigan State fans in Hawaii last night after the Spartans lost to the Hokies. More on that story with more of your calls. NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, and Lamar Jackson, our leading topics of the day. More of Lamar in his own words from his visits here on the David Glenn Show over the years with more of your phone calls. 1-800-849-2761 on the David Glenn Show. I don't want those damn dookies rooting for us. They've hated all year long. Let them go right on hating. If the situation were reversed, I would hope they would lose by a hundred. You're in fantasy land if you ever think NC State's going to make it back to the national championship game. So just forget that right now. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Keeping the peace in NC on the David Glenn Show. to the David Glenn Show. Early happy Thanksgiving to everybody. We're talking college football, NFL. Lamar Jackson, in his own words, from his visits here on our program. 45-6, Ravens over Rams last night. Baltimore has convincingly beaten the Seahawks in Seattle, the Patriots in Baltimore, the Texans, led by Deshaun Watson, another amazing young quarterback from ACC country. That game also in Baltimore. And then they just crushed the Rams in L.A. Baltimore looks like the best team in the NFL, even as the Patriots and the 49ers have the best records in the NFL, even as the Seahawks and the Saints are right there at 9-2 and two as well. It's rivalry week in college football. We're asking about the best rivalries. What is the best in our state involving at least one of our teams? Aggie Eagle Classic, State Carolina. There are some others involving one North Carolina team and an out-of-state opponent. But our rivals, rivalries in hoops and other things tend to be bigger and broader and more followed elsewhere than whatever our best is on the gridiron. It's 10 years from the Tiger Woods driving into the fire hydrant in the middle of the night debacle. We're asking the question of the day there. Do you like Tiger more or less 10 years later? And why, if you've changed your mind? 1-800-849-2761. That, of course, ended his marriage eventually started him on a 10-year no-majors streak that was ended only earlier this year at the Masters. You can jump in on Tiger Woods, rivalry week in college football, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens story. We have some NBA and some college hoops on tap as well. Meanwhile, there's some breaking news in the NHL. Former Carolina Hurricanes head coach Bill Peters has been accused by one of his former players 
of using racial epithets in front of him and his teammates earlier in his career. Now, Bill Peters, now with the Calgary Flames, formerly of your Carolina Hurricanes, is accused of, yes, dropping the N-word repeatedly in the context of former player Akeem Alou's choice of locker room hip-hop music, among other things. Other players have stepped forward to confirm this account. There was even an account that Bill Peters was fired by the Calgary Flames, although that has not been confirmed just yet. But it is a bad-looking story for a guy who spent a lot of time here in North Carolina. A lot of folks who play the there's no such thing as racism anymore uh, card don't understand that sometimes, in fact, a lot of times, the folks that you consider normal, everyday, nice guys are doing and saying racist stuff. And this is just one more on a countless list of examples that we get in the sports world. There's a mountain of evidence about the racial, racial issues in sports in American society. Uh, if you're just willing to pay attention to it, it'll knock you across the forehead uh, if you're willing to open your eyes and open your ears and see that this is just the reality, uh, an unpleasant and unfortunate reality, but uh, the, the evidence is simply overwhelming. I'm shocked and dismayed that some somehow a third of Americans say that people of color uh, don't get any more race racism than white people do in our country. That's in 2019, according to a third of Americans, despite the fact that every single day there is a story that proves you wrong and yet you live in that delusional world. It's, it's shocking, disappointing, dismaying to me. That's just the latest uh, splash of reality from the sports world that proves you wrong. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Heather Dinich on College Football Live in about 30 minutes. Appreciate Will Brinson for dropping by on the NFL. Eric in Durham wants to talk about the Lamar Jackson phenomenon. I did pr promise my favorite quote related to Lamar Jackson I gave you Wade Phillips calling him this era's Michael Vick. I gave you Sean Merriman calling Lamar Jackson Michael Vick 2.0. And I gave you Ravens head coach John Harbaugh saying just last night, what Lamar just did against the Rams is, quote, operating at the highest level you can possibly operate as an NFL quarterback. My favorite quote came from Dominique Foxworth, former NFL defensive back, who now in his media life writes for, among others, the folks at TheUndefeated.com. Great quote that summarizes this phenomenon quite well. What Lamar is offering the Ravens right now is the throwing efficiency of Patrick Mahomes and the running efficiency of Christian McCaffrey. Think about that for a while now. The numbers back that up. What Lamar Jackson is offering the Ravens as we speak is the throwing efficiency of Patrick Mahomes, last year's MVP for the Chiefs, and the running efficiency of Christian McCaffrey, your Panthers MVP candidate, although we know he will not win that award. He was the midseason offensive player of the year in the eyes of many who write or vote on such things. 1-800-849-2761. Who knows to this, to what level Lamar Jackson can sustain this excellence, and that's exactly what it is, but it is the number one story of the 2019 NFL season. Eric in Durham has Lamar Jackson and Michael Vick on his mind. Welcome to the program. Go right ahead. Thanks for taking my call, David. First of all, happy holidays to you your too. work family and your family. Thank you. And uh, I just wanted to talk about the comparison of uh, Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson. First of all, now I'm just basing this off my memory as a lifelong football fan, but I believe Lamar Jackson has a lot more talent around him 
right now than Michael Vick did, say, in about at his Atlanta Falcons days. Um, you get big guys like Orlando Brown Jr. I mean, that guy is a monster of a man. Yes. Um, you got Mark Ingram. you got Hollywood Brown. Now, his wide receivers aren't great, but they're good enough, and he makes them look great. And I, I just think that, uh, you know, the statistics might not back my uh, opinion, but just based off of what I've seen as a uh, football fan back in the day, Michael Vick chucked that ball. I think he has a slightly better arm, but if Lamar Jackson is going to be consistent, only time will tell, as Michael Vick was. uh, And you mean stronger arm or more accurate arm? Stronger. Yeah, I think uh, I, th- I agree with that. I think Michael Vick has the stronger arm than Lamar Jackson. I don't think he has the more at- – well, I mean, the numbers back up. Uh, Michael Vick never became a really accurate passer. I mean, career completion percentage for Michael Vick, 56%. That's bad. Uh, career TDINT ratio, not even 2 to 1. That's bad. Now, Michael Vick was still a four-time Pro Bowler because he was the greatest running quarterback in the history of the NFL. Statistically, number one on that career rushing yardage list to this day. The reason he didn't take teams further was part the supporting cast, but it was also part, at some point, you got to prove you can beat people from the pocket. And Lamar Jackson in 2019 has is having a better season than Michael Vick ever had as a passer. And, of course, it all matters. As Will Brinson said, it mattered that he hooked up with Andy Reid in Philadelphia. It mattered that Michael Vick's personal work habits got better. Michael Vick, as an older guy, said that Michael Vick, as a younger guy, did not take video study or strength and conditioning as seriously as he should have. Lamar Jackson seems to have his head on straight in a way at 22 years old that it took Michael Vick, you know, almost into his 30s to pull off. So all that stuff matters. The supporting cast matters. Finding the right fit matters. But Lamar Jackson might have found the right fit last year at 21 years old. It's John Harbaugh, a quality veteran head coach who's already won a Super Bowl. It's James Urban, his quarterback's coach, the same guy who coached Michael Vick in Philly during Vick's best season over 15 years as an NFL player. He didn't end up with 15 seasons because he was in jail for a couple. But over a 15-year period, Michael Vick's best season as a passer was in 2010. 21 touchdown passes, only six interceptions. And 63% completions. Michael Vick never put those kinds of numbers together while also running well in his entire NFL career. 2010 was his peak, and I think Lamar Jackson's peak is already uh, in the process of being higher than Michael Vick's best year. They are the best comparables for each other, but for a lot of different reasons, and I laid out some earlier. Lamar Jackson has better family support than Michael Vick did growing up in Tidewater, Virginia, in like a war zone. Lamar Jackson did not grow up in a beautiful part of Pompano Beach, Florida, but it was not the extreme of Michael Vick. Uh, Michael Vick had a very complicated family life. Lamar Jackson has the support of his mom in every way, and apparently of his dad before he died of a heart attack years ago. Uh, Michael Vick played in a a more primitive offense by NFL standards in college at Virginia Tech compared to what Lamar Jackson learned at Louisville. And really, the friends thing, I mean, the, the Baltimore Ravens writers are emphasizing Lamar Jackson's mom and three siblings moved from Florida and camped out. They live somewhere near Baltimore, and there's only one family friend from Florida who came with them and basically is part of their inner circle. 
Michael Vick kept his inner circle so expanded for so much of his pro career that his childhood friends were running illegal dogfighting rings that got him thrown into prison. That was Michael Vick's inability and unwillingness to cut off childhood friends. Lamar Jackson, apparently, through his mom, has already cut those people out. That's a tight inner circle. Mom, three siblings, and one advisor. That's it. Michael Vick was letting his childhood friends, who were drug dealers in some cases back in the day, a lot of them had criminal records, and yet he kept them in his inner circle and ended up paying for it, you know, Illegal dog rings among dogfighting rings among the many things that got him ultimately thrown in prison. There are some similarities. I think there are a lot of differences that matter as well. Some football differences. Lamar Jackson, did you see that play last night where the tight end was open over the middle, but the safety was helping from the sideline side of things? It is expected of an NFL quarterback that when the safety help is coming from the sideline, and you have your tight end open, you throw it just a hair to the left of your tight end if the side, if the safety is coming from the right. So, I mean, you know, in your video game, you m- might just try to hit the guy between the numbers. It doesn't work that way in the smaller windows of the NFL that maybe it did work that way in, at Louisville or certainly in high school. You had bigger windows. Just hit the guy. Just hit the guy. In the NFL, it's no, you got to do more than that. It's throw it to his left so when the safety does arrive, the quickest, fiercest, toughest, hardest-hitting, best tacklers that the world has to offer, the windows are small, and you've got to throw it on the side away from the safety. Now, if it was a one-time thing, I wouldn't even mention it, but Lamar Jackson, midway through his second year in the NFL, is showing a lot of examples of that. It's one thing to hit the guy. It's another thing to hit him with the details in place. And it just adds to way better completion percentage than somebody like Michael Vick had in his career, way better touchdown-to-interception ratios, 24 TDs and only five interceptions, roughly 5-1 to one for Lamar Jackson. Michael Vick, in his best year, was about 3-1, to one, and that only happened once. One year in Atlanta, he had a 2-1 to one ratio, twice as many touchdown passes as interceptions. One year in Philly, he had that 3-1 to one ratio. That's it. Over 15 years, that's it. Lamar Jackson, as a second-year NFL player, is putting those numbers to shame. And again, Michael Vick's career numbers. He's a four-time pro bowler. He was one of the most exciting players I've ever seen. But if you want to lead your team to the promised land, you must become a polished passer in addition to the world's most dangerous legs. Michael Vick never did that. Never did it. 133 touchdown passes for his career, 88 interceptions. That is nowhere near what you need to be a top-flight quarterback in the National Football League. Cam Newton has become a much better passer when healthy than Michael Vick ever was. So when we look at those comparables, Randall Cunningham, Michael Vick, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, Steve Young, Fran Tarkington, Michael Vick may have been the least accomplished passer among all those comparables. As a passer, I'll take Randall Cunningham or Cam Newton or Russell Wilson, or Steve Young, or Fran Tarkenton over Michael Vick. As a pure runner, Michael Vick was the greatest in the history of the NFL at the quarterback position, period. As a balanced player, Michael Vick had a lot of shortcomings on and off the field, and I don't think those sorts of things are going to hold Lamar Jackson down. 
1-800-849-2761. More phone calls on the other side on the college football, NFL, college basketball, and NBA headlines of the day. You can join us with your question or comment at 1-800-849-2761. Heather Dinich on college football in 20 minutes. Back to your calls and one of the biggest surprises of college basketball season so far. That's next on the David Glenn Show. The great difference between sport and capital E Entertainment and capital S Sport is that we don't know the outcome. And that feeling of uncertainty, positively or negatively, is unique. We are quoting Bob Ryan the way I would quote, you know, Aristotle or Confucius. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Quick follow-up on the crazy Bill Peters story. Former Hurricanes head coach, now the Calgary Flames head coach. Maybe about to be a former Calgary Flames head coach because of allegations of racial slurs toward a former player. Hurricanes head coach Rod Brindamore was asked by ESPN's Greg Wyshynski about this story. Rod answered, according to Wyshynski, that's a tough one. I don't think I can comment on stuff like that. First of all, I don't know what was really said. It's not our issue to deal with. The Flames have to get to the bottom of it. Obviously, that's a serious thing, but that is their issue to deal with. Rod Brindamore is getting some criticism for punting that question rather than addressing that question. One important reminder, the player accusing Bill Peters of such racist language was doing so from a team not named the Carolina Hurricanes, meaning when Rod Brindamore was not with Bill Peters. So Rod Brindamore, coach of the Canes, who did serve under Bill Peters, remember, is being asked about an alleged incident that happened when Bill Peters was elsewhere as a coach in the American Hockey League. So Rod's completely right that it's a problem for the Calgary Flames, not the Carolina Hurricanes. Rod is completely right that it's an issue for Bill Peters and not for Rod Brindamore. You may not have liked his choice of words, etc., but... He wasn't a coach for that AHL team. His time with Bill Peters was an entirely different place and an entirely different time. So you're asking somebody to comment on something where he could not have possibly been present for it. Now, if Rod wanted to say, I've never heard anything like that out of Bill Peters' mouth, and I'm, I'd be surprised if it did happen, Rod could have said that. Uh, put whatever weight on the fact that he chose not to say that uh, that you'd like. I have not talked to Rod about it, to be clear. I do text him and talk with him quite frequently, uh, but I have not had time, given that this story just broke not long ago, I have not had time to ask him about this. He's focused on making another playoff team with the Carolina Hurricanes. The alleged incidents involve a player named Akeem Alou, person of color, uh, dealing with the N-word and other racial slurs in front of his teammates in that AHL locker room years ago. Uh, I would expect if the facts bear out that story that Bill Peters will be fired as the head coach of the Calgary Flames. My guess is that the Flames attorneys want to make sure that they do their due diligence while investigating these allegations before pulling the trigger on a coach's dismissal. Charles in Chapel Hill has Lamar Jackson on his mind. He was the star of Monday Night Football, and he is the story of the 2019 season. Charles, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. No grieving? Hey, Charles, what's going on, man? Okay. Um, yeah, let me scoot home. Hey, Charles. I, I gotta do Charles, Charles is ordering his Thanksgiving dinner. Charles, you're, you're live on the David Glenn Show. Are you with us? 
Thank you, Dave. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, um, yeah, I'm on everybody's bandwagon with Lamar Jackson. I think he's doing fantastic. He's exciting to watch. But, you know, the pitfalls of a quarterback being a running back, I still, in the back of my mind, I always have reservations about the dual threat type of quarterback. Yeah. Uh, RG3 still lingers, you know. Yeah, and, and he took that knee injury and was never the same. He was not as much a runner as Lamar. I mean, to me, Cam Newton is a classic story here, or even Steve Young. I mean, Steve Young uh, actually got to kind of wait his turn behind Joe Montana and yet still ended up as a guy with multiple concussion-related issues. Michael Vick took a beating. Cam Newton, the numbers back up. He's taken more hits over his nine seasons in the NFL by far. I think Russell Wilson is a distant second. So Russell is also on these career rushing yardage lists. But I think Russell's an example of somebody who manages taking hits well, right? Cam has taken too much of a beating and has had too many surgeries as a result. Russell Wilson is the fifth leading rusher among quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League and yet has kept himself mostly healthy, right? He's got eight straight winning records as an NFL quarterback. So you want to avoid the Cam Newton extreme. Cam put his body at risk too often. You can say it's pride. You can say you needed the extra yard, whatever. We all have watched enough football to know that there are plays you need to take the hit and there are plays you have the discretion to either slide or get out of bounds. And Lamar Jackson at 22 is already learning some about which hits to avoid. He took one or two wicked ones last night, and the coaches want to get that out of his system, of course. But you know, I saw Randall Cunningham run a lot while mostly avoiding the worst hits. There's a, there's a roadmap to doing it as a dual-threat quarterback the right way. I think Russell Wilson has written the book on that. Randall Cunningham, not quite as good as Russell Wilson, but also did a good job of mostly staying healthy. But, yeah, Cam Newton, Steve Young, and some of the other runners are living proof. Michael Vick, too. Michael Vick, of course, famously missed two seasons because of the prison thing, the dogfighting stuff. But he also missed huge chunks of a lot of other years in Atlanta and Philly and elsewhere because he wasn't healthy enough to play. So Charles's general point is certainly a fair one. At 22 years old, Lamar Jackson is both a thrower and a runner, and the runner is even a more involved portion of his game. To this point, I've seen him avoid hits more like Russell Wilson avoids them and avoiding going down Cam Newton lane, if you will. Heather Dinich on College Football Live in 10 minutes. More of your calls, too, on the David Glenn Show. You like college football? It's Taj Boyd. Taj, how are you? Welcome I'm to good. the show. I'm good. Dave, man, I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to be here, man. I'm excited for the question that you're going to ask. Mark Richt of Georgia, please stop taking our best high school football players, but otherwise, thank you for the visit. Last thing for Virginia Tech coach Frank Beamer. So do we. The David Glenn Show. Thanks, David. Appreciate it a lot. You got it. College football week 14 begins tonight. More games Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. New committee rankings this evening. We'll talk with Heather Dinich, ESPN college football playoff writer, next. UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in, in any way. Yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. But I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show.